Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, January 15th, 2023. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Another great show coming up for you tonight. Two guests coming up, two great special guests. Andrew Grossen News, they will be joining us, as well as Islanders alum Bruno Gervais. Hopping on to hang out with us. Joining me tonight is Mr. Chris Bottom. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Chris, how we doing? Doing well. I'm sure all the Giant fans are happy out there. Yeah. A big win today. Good for New York. Bills fans, too. Barely squeezed one out yes. there earlier. Yeah, good good, good day for the state. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And so, New Jersey, too. <laughs> oh, that's right. New Jersey. So, folks, I want to remind you that we are happy to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington 217, Carlton Avenue, in East Isop, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Also proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. And happy to be sponsored by brand new sponsor, Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. On Long Island's North Shore, games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new releases, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events, and we're located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village, and you can go to MainSTBoardGameCafe.com for more information. That is MainSTBoardGameCafe.com. Main Street Board Game Cafe, find your crowd, unplug your game. So, Chris, a 1-1-1 one, one, one week for the New York Islanders who finally came home. A lot of home games this month in January to finish it out. And they look better against Dallas. They didn't get the result you want. Uh, they get the tie, but then, of course, they, they lose the skills competition. Um, a decent game against Minnesota. End up uh, having an awful, awful finale to that game. Uh, hanging on for a, for a long one nothing lead there and end up blowing it. And then uh, they come out and play a good game against Montreal. They they take the early 2 nothing lead in, in, in the first period, which doesn't happen often for this year's New York Islanders. And they kind of hang on a little bit at the end, but they squeak out the 2-1 the to one win. 1-1-1, one, one, and one. think we need to see more out of this team. What do you, what'd you see out there? Yeah, I would say in terms of results, Sean, I would give the Islanders a C. Okay. It's probably a lower grade than, than based on your descriptions. Um, <laughs> and in terms of performance, probably give them a C-. Um, Montreal, you know my position on that, especially when you're in a losing streak. Mm. We want – I don't care how you win. So they won. They um, won. I think we could debate the, how good they played in the second half of that game. Right, right. You know, so it's very much a mixed bag for this week. Where I'm at with this team this week, and now I could say it because I had a week off, and thank you to Mr. Rosner for uh, stepping in, is that we now know that this team is somewhat in the middle. Yeah. This is a team that's going to fight for a playoff spot, that they'll be in the fight, and they're right. going to fight for it. Um, there'll be another time to talk about what this means in the big picture, for Lou Lamorello, for the coach, for the future of this team. Like, is this a step back compared to where they were in the trots era? And was that all worth it? But the way I see it now, between now and the trade deadline, the focus is, is this team going to make the playoffs? What do they need to do to add to the lineup? What should Lou Lamorello do? So we'll put aside, again, my position is we'll put aside the big picture mm -hmm. for maybe another day. It could be March or April. Right? right, But right now, it's here's where they are in the race. Here's what they need to do. Because right now, this is an average team, maybe a slightly above average team. Right, and, and I said it before we went live here. We, we were kind of seeing a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of team here where there's nights where they look like they, they can line up against almost any team in the league, right? They can beat the Colorados of the world. They've done it. They've come from behind and done it. They beat some of the top teams in this league. They hung with Dallas. They're one of the top teams. They get to the shootout against them. I think that's a small victory, especially coming from the road trip that they had. That's fine. 
And then you have games against Arizona. You look at all these these lost points, and 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 I've been bringing this up periodically throughout the season. And this may end up being a year. Hopefully, it doesn't come down to whether they get in or not. But let's say they even do get a playoff spot. You get to the end of April, the middle of April, when the playoff spots are all seated, and you might say to yourself, "Man." If they had just lost a couple, you know, they, they extended a couple of games past regulation. They might have had home ice. They might have gotten the three seed. You know what I mean? They might have gotten the, the first wild card. And, and it just seems like when they're closing out games and, and on the losing end, they can't do it, you know, with that extra push to get to that final frame. And when they do, when they get to that shootout, it's, 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 not, it's not pretty. And I'm just not seeing anything special about them. There were times earlier in the season where it was like, all right, maybe they are back. Maybe they right, did. Run, yes. Maybe they did run it back, but now we're kind of in a stretch here of about four or five weeks where they've just been okay. Right. And again, good that they won the Montreal game. That's all they need to do. Mm-hmm. But if after that start, after the two zip lead Saturday night, if they continued to take it to Montreal and give credit to Montreal, they blocked a lot of shots. Sure. I thought they played a pretty strong second half of the game. I think that's one of those classic games that both teams and the fans of both teams could look at in two different ways and not be wrong. Like I think sure. Montreal was probably pretty happy and then they bounced back and they beat the Rangers on Sunday night, which is impressive. I think Lane Lambert was right to say uh, he was really happy with his performance. But that said, it's a 2-1 game, 2-1 final, and it wasn't like, oh, no, okay, now they're back. So they head into this game Monday night against Washington, and then it's it's just amazing to look at that schedule. I slide through. My thing is on the NHL app, right? So Wednesday, Boston, Thursday, Buffalo, Saturday, then Monday. Like, it doesn't stop. It's relentless. This is fun. And to (laughs) me, this is just like – we are on the path to the trade deadline to see what they do, to see where they stay in, um, where, you know what they do to stay in the mix. But I don't think this is a team that's going to run away with a playoff spot mm. or fall way back too. So for me, Hockey Night in New York, whether I'm co-hosting with you or not, <laughs> it's the six, seven-week run-up to an exciting time around the trade deadline to see if they get in the tournament. Yeah, no question about it. This is going to be a big month for them. These games coming up are, are huge, especially starting with, uh, excuse me, Washington tomorrow night. But uh, we'll talk more about that. But right now we got a break because we've got Andrew Gross and Newsday coming up. So, folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers are going to take that break. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. time to our sponsors ready to talk more aisles the train rolls on right here on hockey night in new york welcome back to the program ladies and gentlemen you are watching hockey night in new york at twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and joining us right now is the great andrew gross from newsday andrew how you doing yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. You guys got me now? Yes, we do. Appreciate the patience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Big Giants victory, huh? Uh, yeah, and honest, this is, I mean, I can tie it back to the Islanders because this is what I was thinking <laughs> okay. of. It reminded me of Barry Trotz's first year with the Islanders where, uh, you know, the expectations maybe weren't so high. You saw what good coaching could do, right? Uh, and, and good and, and, and a GM who could organize things and they get the, or, the organization righted and they go into the playoffs and they get that first victory and it was a learning. Uh, a, a learning aspect, right? right? Because then they got smoked in the second round by Carolina. But, you know, all is said and done, and they come back stronger the next two seasons. And I think, you know, all of us, 
thought maybe the Giants could beat the Vikings. I, I don't know how much we think they can beat the Eagles, but I see a lot of similarities in the two organizations um, uh, with the way the Giants are playing right now. Andrew, I like that parallel, and I like that you're already willing to concede that the Giants are going to lose in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> but let's keep it on hockey here. So before you came on, Chris and I were talking about what a Jekyll and Hyde season the Islanders have had so far, right? A little bit of a roller coaster. String a couple of wins together, they look great. String a couple of loses to get, losses together, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the fan base is, is wondering what the hell is going on with this team. So, Andrew, you've been in a lot of NHL locker rooms. You've spoken to a lot of players, you know, post-game, after a result, and you kind of get a gauge of, of the attitudes of the players and the confidence of the players. And, and with such a roller coaster season for this team, what's the vibe you're getting from these players in the locker room right now? Where's their confidence level where they haven't really been able to keep any consistency going and, and they seem to keep almost, you know, battling against themselves to, to have a successful season here? You know, strangely enough, the, uh, the players are, are saying all the right things. They're not necessarily always backing up their words. But, but they're saying all the right things uh, about how they believe in the group and they know what they have to do to have success. And it's, you know, a matter of a, a low execution here, a low execution there. It's not a personnel thing. I thought it was, it was kind of revealing that out of everyone, it was Coach Lane Lambert who usually gives away no information, was the one who said before the game yesterday, yeah, we're squeezing our sticks. Mm. And, and that was the, the most open window into where the, this team's mind frame is. And you know what? Uh, a 2-1 win against the Canadians aside, I, I still got to think they're, they're going to be gripping the sticks a little bit uh, against the Capitals tomorrow night just because they haven't shown that they can score in bunches. And they haven't shown that they can string wins together, you know, since the calendar turned to 23. So I, I thought I, I thought it was out of left field that Lane Lambert was the guy who was, uh, you know, kind of pulling back the curtain out of all people. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Andrew. And and and, and another great point is you, you're not going to have too much success if you're scoring four goals across across three games in a week. And no. And just to, to kind of talk about this team as a whole, and, and, and you know, we've, we've discussed the injuries. It looks like Kyle Palmieri might be back soon. Adam Pellick is skating. And to Keon and him for a second, how much does this team miss Adam Pellick right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can talk all you want about how steady Parker Weatherspoon uh, has been in, in his absence. But, I mean, Adam Pellick gives you a top pair of defensemen if you're going to play him with uh, – Ryan Pulak and uh, it's, I mean, he's missed as much now as he was when he tore his Achilles uh, that one season. Uh, you, you just saw the team, you know, struggle to be a 500 team without Adam Pellick, and I don't think anything's changed this time around. So yeah. the sooner he can get back, uh, you know, that that's going to solidify things. Although, to be honest, it hasn't been the defensive efforts that have really been an issue, but, you know, how much of that is because Ilya Sorokin is playing out of his mind right now. Andrew, it's Chris. I read your Sunday column today uh, in the newspaper with my coffee, like uh, we used to do back in the day. <laughs> and the, and the, the headline said, Lou Lamorello needs to find scoring help for Islanders. We know the writer does not write the headline. The editor does. Uh, but do, uh, do you feel that was a full, a good reflection of your column? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it was. I mean, uh, I forget, you know, I wrote that uh, it's 48 hours ago, so things kind of go in one ear and come out the other. But, yeah, no, look, it, 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 they're just not scoring enough goals. They don't have – I think I wrote they don't have enough scoring um, amongst their wings. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was nice to see Anthony Beauvillier get a goal, but that was his first goal in nine games. And we, we've talked about – you know, Josh Bailey's inconsistency in, in putting up production and Kyle Palmieri's out. And it certainly looks like Oliver Wallstrom is really out, like, you know, for a long, long time. So uh, they're, they're, they're getting thin uh, on the wing as, as to players you can really rely upon. You saw, you know, Lane Lambert use Zach Parisi and uh, was it Bailey with Matthew Barzell. Uh, the other day, and uh, you know, no disrespect to Zach Parisi, who has given you more than you've paid for him over his two seasons with the Islanders. Absolutely. But, but he can't be 
he shouldn't be counted on as a, as a top line wing at this stage in his career. He is he's really in a perfect spot when he skates with Jean Gabriel Pajot. And, and, and you know, I, I saw someone respond to me on Twitter, you know, asking whether I had written that story three years ago. Um, but we have been talking about you know the need for Lou Lamarillo to import some scoring help. Uh, you know, it, it seems like every season, and you know, Kyle Palmieri. Uh, being one of the bigger acquisitions that uh, uh, that Lou Lamarillo has made, and and that's been up and down. And you know, poor Kyle, uh, he's what has he missed? Like twenty three out of twenty four games. Uh, I'm losing count. I know he's you know basically missed a stretch, came back in Arizona, and pretty much went right back out again. You know, with another high, you know, almost a headshot, and uh, uh, he he's been out now since uh, December sixteenth. After you mentioned Oliver's injury potentially being very long-term, you wrote, yes, yes, yes. Hey, that was snarky. Uh, Lamorello, <laughs> you get it on Twitter, you got to give it back in the in the paper, right? Yes, 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 Lamorello is under pressure to make a move. So I ask you this, my friend. Islander fans are lucky in that I don't think there's a beat writer around who knows Lou Lamorello and his ways and his methods better than you. Knowing where this team is, just a few games over 500, in the middle of the pack, fighting for a playoff spot, do you think that – I'm not going to hold you to this, will he make a move? We get asked this all the time too, but does it feel like the kind of place right now where perhaps in the next three to eight weeks Lou will make a move? Yeah, yeah, I certainly so – like I said, I think it's incumbent on him because he is – shown so much trust in this in this core and if you're gonna if you're gonna have that faith in this core you got to give it the best chance to win and right now you know even if they get into the playoffs uh you know they can be a dangerous team uh because they'll grind you down but they're not going to be a dangerous team because they're gonna you know skate you out of the ring and to compete with the carolinas and, uh, you know, probably the Tampa Bays and Boston's, although, you know, strangely enough, I, I, I like the Islanders matchup against the Bruins because I feel like they can play physical against the Bruins and that over a seven game series, that'll wear the Bruins down. But, but the, the point is against elite competition, the Islanders don't quite have all the cards yet to, to be put in that class. And also, look, it's, it, it, I'm not casting aspersions here. This is an aging core at this point. You don't know how many more runs these guys are really going to have together. So it's incumbent on Lou to give this core its best, maybe last chance here. You know, even though a lot of these guys are signed long term, it's getting to that point where, you know, next season could be really the season where they age out, right? So I really think. You know, and, and Lou's going to tell you it takes two to dance and two to make a trade, and you don't want to sell the future for, you know, for maybe a short-term fix. But, look, this may be the Islanders' best last chance for a couple of seasons. So if you're going to make a run, you're going to have to import someone. And, and not just scoring help, you might actually need a, a lefty shooting defenseman as well. And Andrew, uh, last one to follow that up before we let you go real quick. To play devil's advocate, you made a lot of great arguments for why this team should go out and make a deal, right? And I think it's true. If they, They're going to need somebody if they are going to compete with the other teams in the playoffs. My question is, we don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. And there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of chatter about already. It's well known how, how you know, thin the, the prospect pool is. They don't have a lot of guys coming up through the system. They've dealt their last three first-round draft picks. Is this something Lou kind of has to wait and see before it's even worth making a deal? Because, God forbid, he makes a deal, gives up more futures, and then they still fall on their faces and don't make the playoffs. Well, I mean, it could, it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you wait and see, you may be out of it. Um, Lou, Lou doesn't believe in rebuilding, you know, so 
he he wants to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say his job is dependent on it, but it, you know, he's it, it's getting to the point where he needs to be in the playoffs. Really, you know, for the for the long term viability of his administration here, I would I would think so. I, I think Lou is going to think short term, uh, okay. heading towards the trade deadline. And you know what? Probably the sooner the better. Um, I, I know the prices are probably a little bit higher right now, but it, it may be in Lou's best interest to make a move sooner rather than later um, be, because this, like you said, this really is going to be a scramble to get into the playoffs. Now, I think the Islanders are, are lucking out a little bit in that there are some teams in the Atlantic division that we thought were going to be right in the mix of it, that it, it may be that the Metro can get five teams in where the Atlantic only gets three teams in. So now the Islanders, I mean, look, John Tortorella has got the Flyers playing really well. Yeah. Um, like, like, you know, he, or at least playing hard, but I, I don't think the Flyers have enough talent to really sneak up into, into a real playoff race. So really, you're talking about the Islanders. If you can get five from the Metro, the Islanders needing to just knock one of these teams out. Maybe it's the Penguins who they're they're ahead of right now. They 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 have four games against the Capitals. They have three games against the Penguins. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's knocking the Hurricanes or the Rangers or, or quite possibly the Devils uh, out of a playoff spot at this point. But the, the Islanders just may need to knock that one team out. And so I, I don't think Lou's going to look at it as, you know, this is a, a, a something that cannot be accomplished. So that, that that's why I, I really lean towards him knowing that he, he absolutely has to help this core at, at, at this time. Well, Andrew, excellent stuff as always. Appreciate your time, especially pulling you away to, uh, from celebrating your Giants victory. Congrats <laughs> hey, to I, you. I, I, I am a Jets fan. I I, I, oh, I made that mis- I was I, sure, I made actually. that mistake. I made that mistake really early in life. So, <laughs> well, uh, well, then, congrats to Jet Giants fans out there. What, what can yeah. I say? Better <laughs> luck next year. But Andrew, always a pleasure. Looking forward to next time, and have a great rest of your night. Hey, Sean, Chris, always great talking to you guys. You be well. Have a great show. Thanks, Thanks Andrew. So much. All right, folks. Great stuff from Andrew Gross. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, former New York Islander Bruno Gervais will be joining us. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or a sip of Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to Hockey Night New York. We're live in Rockville Center, Long Island, and I'm really proud to be joined by the former Islanders defenseman, also Tampa and the Flyers, hockey analyst for RDS and 98.5 FM, director of client relations for the Respect Group. Great job on that, buddy. And that is Bruno Gervais. Bruno, it's Chris Botta with Sean Cuthbert. How are you, buddy? I'm really good. How are you guys doing? We're doing so. We're <laughs> doing, doing well. so great. It is awesome to hear your voice, my friend. How are things going for you? You've been doing. You got a lot going on on the analyst front with the family. Can you give the fans an update on on how's life for Bruno Gervais these last few years? Uh, busy, busy for sure. Uh, the you know I, I ended up uh, finishing in Europe in Berlin, Germany, uh, which was was phenomenal. So much fun. 
Uh, it was great. And uh, then I retired. And I, the, the second I retired, I already had a, like a, a little bit of a transition plan and offer with, uh, with RDS. I've been kind of working with them over the summer. Um, and yeah, I, I know, like, Chris, you were a witness of that quite a bit. But, you know, I always got along well with the, with the media and he always had a lot of fun. Uh, working with them so I kind of took that route a little bit and uh, it was good and it was a lot of fun uh, and I thought it was going to be a transition plan mostly uh, but ended up liking it even more than I thought so I've been I've been involved with RDS um, which gives me a little bit of flexibility and you know I I don't really uh, like to sit on the couch and relax so I there's a lot of other, uh, other projects that are with that but we got the three young kids so they're all in school now. So this is we're just trying to keep up with the schedule. We're pretty much taxi drivers over the weekend, uh, trying to enjoy. But I've been involved with the respect group as well. Uh, you know, working uh, alongside the Sheldon Kennedy, Wayne McNeil, and we've been you know working with the, uh, the NHL. We've been working with so many different projects. So it's been uh, this has uh, been a great, it's so much fun. And I wanted something that was a little bit outside of hockey, a little different as well, um, which suits it. It's perfect. And been involved a little bit of coaching. I've been involved with the uh, the U18 uh, organization here, uh, where I, I played, where I grew up. So I've been involved with trying to help them as well. So trying to stay busy. You've always been known, uh, rightfully so, as one of the uh, the kindest players uh, when you were playing. And since, I'm curious, uh, have you had any challenges with having to be critical at times of players? Yeah. Because we're yeah, about to no, ask we... you to criticize players. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so, no, how has that gone for you? Have you been able to find a balance, or how, what's your approach to that, my friend? This, this was a debate right off the bat, and um, I, when they were interested, for me, I, that's the one thing I didn't want to do. And especially, you know, obviously here in Quebec, there's a lot of media involved too around hockey, and it's a it's a tough market. It's a big market. It's uh, it's close to a religion here, so it's. It, it gets intense, and for me, I didn't want to be complaining when things weren't going, you know, the way they wanted. Um, so I said, like, I I would love to come and you know do this, but I'm not just about the Canadians. I'm going to be about hockey, and what I would really like to do is, you know, find the positive, but you know, do a little bit more teaching than anything else, mm-hmm. and league wide and find stories and different aspects but don't look you know don't come at for me if you're trying to find a scoop or if you're trying to you know just you know hit on someone's head and just be complaining about one guy one situation and they were all up for that they really wanted to you know do it diversify a little bit and be wider and brighter so um that's my that's my point and every time i do uh, any type of uh analyze for like the canadians the stands uh, i do the senators as well i do the rocket the AHL team here in, Mont- in Laval for the Canadians. Th- that's the angle I'm trying to bring. Uh, there's going to be situation where obviously, like you know, you're you're expecting a little bit more of you know a group of guys or a player or something like that, and that's going to happen. And but nothing that the players don't know themselves. They're probably the hardest uh, of everybody on themselves. So it's it, it, that's that's the angle I've I've been trying to bring, uh, and I have a lot of fun doing it. And they've they've been really okay with that and open-minded about that really great hey bruno sean here thanks so much for joining us on the show pleasure to have you so we're an islander centric show so figured uh we touch a little bit on your career with the new york islanders maybe you can just reflect a little bit about your experience playing for the islanders spending time on the uh, on the island and you had that you got a taste of the playoffs playing for ted nolan in that one year maybe you can talk about that playoff series with the buffalo sabers and maybe just reflect on that time with the islanders well, for me, uh, uh, the Islanders and, and Chris Mozart as well, like, it's, it's, uh, in my heart, uh, it, it, it was really special. It was a special place. It was really, really, really hard for me to leave. Uh, it was my first heartbreak. Um, uh, but it was, it was tough to go. Uh, it was an amazing time at a lot of, you know, great people, um, on and off the team. Uh, but it, it was, it was a fun experience. Obviously, like, I wish I experienced more games like we did, you know, in the Nassau Coliseum for those playoffs or winning, getting tense and uh, winning against the Rangers, beating the Rangers at home or those playoff games against Buffalo when you can feel. And it was just a step one. 
but you can see the, like you can feel the city, you can feel like Long Island and, and the vibe. And, you know, when you would get to the rink and the intensity, the emotion, the noise, the presence, um, with the fans and everything when uh, we were there. So I, it's, it's hard to imagine. Like you're trying to picture like three more rounds and make it to the final and do that four years in a row off. Right. Crazy it must have been. But just to have a, a small, simple taste of it, I was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That's fantastic, Bruno. And you mentioned that it was heartbreaking to leave the team, and, and I'd like to key in on that just because, you know, over the years, Islander fans have been curious of whether, you know, the Islanders are a destination, if it's a team that, you know, players want to play for. And we typically hear stories like this, right? When, when there's players that leave the island, they're upset to leave, they want to stay. What was it about playing for the Islanders and maybe being on Long Island that was so heartbreaking for you? What was it about that team that, that was so special to you that, that kind of made you want to stick around? Well, for me, it was obviously the team that drafted me. Um, and I ended up going to my first camp. I was 18. Uh, and from that rookie camp, I was at rookie camp. And I was a six-round pick, right? So I go to rookie camp and things went well, well enough to kind of convince Milbury back then to bring me to main camp. Uh, and I was like a dog in a bowling alley. Like, they had to put a chair for me in the middle of the room. They actually wrote my name on a piece of cardboard. Uh, Gervais, like he, back then it was Scott Moon, I believe, and he, he didn't know how to spell Gervais. Like he asked me, "How do you spell Gervais?" And my English was so broken that it was something that kind of looked like my last name. But it was, it, it, it was that experience and and getting there and ended up uh, actually that uh, I remember that training camp having a conversation with uh, Steve Sterling that told me that I made the team and we we're about you know we all we had to do is kind of get the negotiation, get a contract done because it's my first camp. I'm 18 um, and ended up signing my contract on the day of my birthday, October 3rd. We had like a team event, a golfing event. I, I, on that day, signed a contract, sat at Charles Wong's table for ate my first lobster uh, <laughs> on that day. Uh, I feel so sorry for the people beside me because they were just covered in lobster juice after that dinner i was learning how to crack those open but so for me it's one after another of those kind of experience of like just being a, a young teenager leaving a small city in, in new brunswick to getting to new york um and then from there I ended up going to you know the training camp uh of team canada uh tore my acl there they flew me right away to new york and got the surgery done there i did the rehab there and then moved pro the next year when it was lockout year so it's just all those first that you start building, you get to know. And then for me, it was that was just the one logo. Like for me, it was the Islanders. And then you go from, you know, playing in EA to make it to the NHL. And you see some of those young guys kind of drafted after you. And I would do rookie camps, but now like I, I knew it, I knew how to get around it a little better. So I took some guys under my wing. Then you build those relationships. And I remember when Jeremy Colleton got there, like Blake Como. Uh, then you got those young guys coming up. Remember living in a house with like Thompson, Jackman, Bailey, Ofoso. Wow. Um, you know, I remember having a meeting with Guard Snow. I said when John Tavares got in, I was like, hey, you know, help the kid out. Like he's he's a tremendous hockey player, great mind. Like you know, make sure we uh, we show him the ropes and stuff like that. So like those are the moments where you it, it, it you feel like it's your, not your team but like it, that's the one team you have that's the people that you're growing with that you, you you went from Bridgeport to Long Allen and Chris Campoli was one of them uh, so you're you're building something and then for me that first experience is I, I was never traded before like I was never traded in junior or anywhere else so for me like you you get to one team and you're just you're with them all the way and all you're trying to do is make that team better so Right. And there was nothing else in my mind than just doing it in Long Island. So when it kind of it, it went the other way, and you know, for me it was good to have a fresh start, but physically uh, the knee problems I was having back then and uh, at that moment, and now I understand a little bit more what a fresh start and you know turning the page and moving on a little bit can be. But it was really hard when I realized it at the end of that season. What is it knowing firsthand? better than anyone what it takes to make it in the NHL and to earn every shift, every game, to now look ahead a decade later, maybe even more than a decade later, and see your friends Matt Martin and Joshua Bailey still on the team. It is so nice. 
is so, so, so impressive. Um, I mean, it, it just, for like, especially Bailey that just ended up staying in Long Island the whole time. That's true. It, from the outside, it, it kind of looks easy, right? Like he's mm-hmm. always been there, he's always there, but just on a daily basis, like you said, there's always, depending on the result, depending on every game, depending on, you know, every week, every month, every year, there's always, obviously teams are just getting better and better and better and they're trying to get better. You've got young players coming in, players that come in, they're faster, you know, stronger, better shot. Like, they're, you've got so much competition to keep that that spot and keep doing well. Uh, you got to be like a phenomenal of an athlete to, to keep that and keep doing your role. And we were actually doing the game. It was with RDF and we were doing the game yesterday. And we, we were looking again at that line, like Clutter Buck and CZ Cousin and Matt Martin. And it's like, how? Like, this is amazing what these guys have been doing for so long. Uh, and in the type of role that usually around the league, you see a lot of changes. You see like the young talent coming in. There's a young prospect. They're going to be the first guy to kind of get pushed aside to make some room for a young kid when things are not maybe going, you know, as well as you think for the team or you're trying to bring some young guys in. And these guys just, what they bring to the table every night, they, they found a way to stick around and stay there. And there was, there were some tough times too for, uh, for Matt Martin where, you know, it, things weren't going like he wanted, but he just battled through and, and it shows a lot of the type of character and the type of player and the type of athlete they are. But for me, knowing a little bit about all this, it's especially the type of person. And you've got to be a great teammate and really appreciated, respected, um, and loved by your surrounding and your environment for people to you and that environment and say you make a better team when you're around. And that's what these guys did. Beautifully said. I want you to, I'd like to ask you to put on your analyst hat now as a defenseman. Uh, Alex, pick, pick any of them or all of them. Alexander Romanoff, Ryan Pulak, Adam Pellick, defenders. Pulak, probably the most Gervaisian of the three. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I just assume you know Romanoff because you're in Montreal and in, in Quebec and everybody knows everybody there. Um, what do you think of any of those players or all three of them in terms of where they stand in their careers with the Islanders? Well, first of all, as a group, uh, they got to be a pain to play against. I mean, as a group, like you, the Islanders for so many years now, there's just been that type of team. We were doing the game yesterday. That type of team that you go in there and you're like, oh my God, like we're going to need, like the team's going to need a miracle to score on these guys. Um, and it's it's the type of play, you know the type of players. I mean, they're big, uh, you know, like Pollock, like they, they're all like six two, six three, six four, like all around there. Most of them, and Olmeda was like six one, but he's built like a tank, like he can hit. Um, and he, he's that type of player that he's going to be hard to play against. Um, I'm curious to see where he can take his puck skills and his ability and uh, playmaking and his shooting and everything else. Can he bring this to be more of a impactful, like top four, two way involved offensively and defensively? Um, but for me, like that's the type of team. Like it, 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 they're just it doesn't matter who's on the ice. They're really they're hard to play. Um, and that's for that defense, like that the defense unit. That's I think that's the message. That's what you see: long sticks, smart, play hard, pay the price, block some shots. Uh, that's what you get from there. And you add to that amazing talent, so much poise in Noah Dobson. And I, I got a chance to meet him when he was in Bathurst because he played in the same junior team as I did. And I ended up making a trip there when they were in the conference final the year they won the whole thing. They won the Memorial Cup. And I remember sitting with Noah Dobson because the, the, the coach was an ex-coach of mine. And he asked me to sit with the young Noah Dobson back then because he's like, he told me he's like, Noah puts too much on his shoulder and he's only 17 and he was he was so good he was playing 25 26 minutes a night and doing everything but he said he puts a lot on his shoulders so just check with him make sure he's all right make sure he's feeling good he's enjoying himself and he's having fun and what a mature guy what a kid like head on his shoulder and it was a pleasure to talk with him and ever since i've been 
you know, obviously watching his career. And I know that, you know, the, the number eight was going to be retired, but <laughs> I asked to keep it down to make sure he can wear it. <laughs> I'm just joking, but it, it's phenomenal to see him. So he's one of those guys that ice in his veins, vision, uh, and he's got such a big physique. Like he's six three or six four somewhere around there, and he's he, he's still like filling in, and he's gonna get better and improve his game. And he's he's the type of guy that you can actually let sleep on the ice and he's going to be all right like he can spend a lot of time there um and he he brings that skill and poise and everything to that uh, defense core bruno fantastic stuff and an absolute pleasure having you on the show i uh, just want to say thank you so much for giving us all your time and uh have a great rest of your night thank you hey anytime guys it's always a pleasure and i i was supposed to make the trip down over the weekend i can't make it because i got a two games that i got to do but it's just a rain check. I'll be coming down with the family, and may, I'll make sure that I come by you guys and say hi. And Sounds great. Thank you, Bruno. And don't say any time because you know I'm going to text you every third <laughs> Sunday to come on. So oh. I appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks, buddy. All right, folks, that was Bruno Gervais, Islanders alum. Great stuff from him. Nice little touch on the defense there, huh? Uh, he's the best. Um, story time i gotta share and i know i'm always the first one to say let's not go long tonight (laughs) there's a there's a million stories and i know that we say a lot on this show where people say this guy is the nicest guy this guy's the greatest guy and there is nobody better than bernard gervais and never will be wow and uh and not just his there's his everyday kindness and Mm. so much so that i felt as a staff when he was with us and I had to be mindful of this too, but I wound up telling like our whole group, community relations, everybody, like let's not just because he's so available and gracious and kind, mm. let's he's a hockey player. So we have to make sure we're not constantly utilizing his time and mm. his friend friend Chris Campoli. But here's my quick story. And it sure. relates to a time that you know well. You know when they had the run with Doobie, right? Oh yeah. He has the four straight wins, they need four straight wins, uh, to make the playoffs. Right. The Sunday of the Doobie poke check game. Easter like, Sunday. In New Jersey. Yeah. Um, my family and I were at Wild Cornell Medical Center. I have a son named Cole who's 22 years old now and doing well, but he had had heart surgery. He was born with some heart elements. The morning, that Easter Sunday morning, uh, and this was arranged by a colleague of mine and led on the player front by Bruno Gervais. That morning, we received a package, and it was a little, and I know it's only 15 years ago, but it's gonna seem like 100 technology-wise. It was a DVD player. It was literally okay. like a single DVD player. Screen sure, comes yeah. up, And there was a DVD in it, and we, with Cole and my wife, and we hit play. And it was this montage of Bruno and Ted Nolan and Doobie and the players that day, Chris Nolan, I guess it was um, uh, uh, Chris Simon, others, um, wishing Cole the best. That's awesome. And wow. saying, we're so glad, we know you're gonna make through this through it. And to think that they took the time to do that in the middle of all those games, right. I was going back and forth. We drove home that day. Um, I wasn't going to make it to Jersey. Again, it's probably one of three games that I, you know, from Rangers, Islanders, Devils, home games that I missed. Uh, and I'm just like, this is a team that they are just not going to lose this game. Yeah. And uh, we were in the car when Doobie did his poke check. Wow. And um, God bless Bruno Gervais and all those guys and Ted and everybody who did that. But that, I mean, if you, I know we hear a lot of stories about guys being good. This is a personal one about like going above and beyond right. in the most intense part of the schedule with everything on the line uh, to take a few seconds to uh, take a few minutes or longer to put this DVD, this beautiful video together. Wow. That's a great story. Yes. That's outstanding. Yes. Wow. And uh, in dramatic fashion, they win the game for him. Yeah. That's yep. fantastic. And he was a great interview, too. So Yeah. Know, he's he's very uh, – it was interesting what he said about uh, how he basically told his employers, I'm not going to be your guy to be ripping on people. Right. Or I'm not going to be your right. guy to be get, doing the trade room. He does not have that in him. And, again, I wish I was more that way. Right? He's like a he man just, of principle. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> – and he has a foundation with his buddy um, – 
uh, for, it was on the Penguins, who Islander fans don't like. It's his best buddy. Um, oh yes, uh, I looked at this too. What the Max? Is it Max Talbot? Yeah, Max Talbot. Yes, uh, who happens to be a really good guy too. Oh he, really? <laughs> well, he played a bad guy on sure. TV. Right, fans. right, right. But those two guys go out there uh, and and do all these incredible things for charity. So that's my uh, Bruno stuff. Oh, that is awesome. Where do we go from here? Great to have him on the show. Well, actually, where do we go? We go to what's on tap. All right, Ed. How we doing over there, bud? Oh, uh, we're pretty, uh, you know, we're, we're a little hectic back here tonight. Is Jay okay, too? You guys good? Jay's, Jay's great. Yeah? Jay's All right. great. All right. You guys having a good time back there? Yeah. We got, a, we got a first-time chatter. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I follow if you can burp. Were you queuing like a... Are you queuing a, a segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're we're in. Okay, we're oh, in. We're, so, we're on what's on tap. So yeah. it is time. For, we don't have music for that anymore. Right yeah, now. no, no, so no. That's we just kinda, uh, last week you were in me. here. I did like a. That's trying not to cough. That's on me. I have to. Uh, I have to rehire that magnificent voice actor that I get for all the all the spots. I haven't had time to do it lately. So uh, what's on tap? What's on tap is a tough and challenging week. Yes, that is exactly right. Four games on the slate this re- this week, starting with a huge one. I mean, it's a big game now. Even though you got thirty some odd games to go, but they're they're chasing Washington. They're kind of they're level with them on the games played, so to speak. So they're almost chasing Washington more than they're trying to stave off Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's got a couple of games in hand. So I feel like tomorrow night's a big game because they want to close that gap with the Washington Capitals. So I'm looking at tomorrow as being a big game this week. Obviously, you you noted the game Wednesday against Boston. They're coming to town. And a team for the last couple of weeks that I've saying, do not sleep on these guys, the Buffalo Sabres, the Islanders are going into Buffalo, and they didn't come up earlier in this whole nope. you know discussion with the playoffs, but I think the Sabres have to be considered here, and they might end up being a pain in the ass as, as you get later into the season. And then, of course, the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday, another tough, tough game. They're obviously leading the Metro. They're playing good hockey right now. I don't know how the Islanders are going to do against Boston. I don't think they're a they're a big underdog in that game. Mm-hmm. I know people will expect Boston to sure. win. My biggest wish, and I know this might sound crazy, is that they all come through it, whoever plays, whole, so that they're good for Buffalo 24 hours later. Yeah. That's my biggest wish. Buffalo's yeah. got the games in hand now. The Islanders have had this in the past. Listen. Where they've had yeah. the, the games in hand and, and made some hay. Right. Uh, Buffalo does now. I still think Florida there's still 40 games left. Is Florida going to figure That's this out? Thing. Is Kachuk going to carry them on their back? So, uh, and, and there'll come a point where maybe the Islanders can look ahead and not look behind. This week's going to you know give us a little bit better idea of where that goes. Yeah, I think this week and also just the rest of January is going to kind of let us know if the Islanders are going to be in the playoff mix or not because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is so much season to go, and that goes for all teams, whether it's the teams they're competing with or the New York Islanders. They have they have time to get it together. They have time to rattle mm-hmm. off another six-game winning streak or what have you, but right now they're just not showing as much confidence that that's going to happen. And on this this narrative of the seven, eight, we actually it's March 3rd is the trade deadline, so it's still a ways away. Mm-hmm. But even though the players know that they could be playing themselves to, if they get better so that Lou makes a move and that could lead to moves, right? But, you know, a lot of times it's like, whoa, we're going to get Bo Horvat. Or, and by the way, and it's not just us <laughs> said or that. the fans. Or, <laughs> but... Um, I, uh, he mentioned uh, Andrew Gross, you know, dropped the names of a few players as well mm. in his story today. I declare, in some mm. cases, these teams are not much worse than the Islanders. In the West, there's a bigger gap. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Islanders, they don't get to, as fans, any of us, we don't get to say we want that guy or can we get that guy if the Islanders haven't done their part to, to earn That's- being in the discussion. That's the point I was making with Andrew. I mean, yes, there seems to be a lot of pressure on Lou Lamarillo to add to this team, but again, I mean, how awful would it be if he goes and takes a run at somebody and they don't even get into the dance? So I feel like the team still needs to show him that they deserve that help, that he that you know he can say to himself and say to his team, all right, guys, you earned it. You're, you're looking good in the playoff spot here. I want you guys to make a run. I'm going to go out and get something for you. But if they continue to hover around 500 mediocre hockey, I mean, Kevin Kerr has ripped him to shreds on his halfway you know, uh, assessment of the, of the team, and, and he's not wrong. I mean, when, you, when you're playing up and down hockey, it essentially is mediocre, and, and they have to get back on another streak, and hopefully they get a little healthier. We mentioned Palmieri and Pellick. Hopefully they get back soon, and they can use some of this home, home cooking that they got coming up to go on a run. And, and if they beat a team like Boston, if they beat a team like Cal- Carolina, then all of a sudden, you know, you perk up 
a little bit and say, hey, maybe they can do it. It reminds me a little bit of, of Garth Snow's first year as GM, and he made the trade for Ryan Smith. Mm. And we wound up getting in the playoffs, losing in the first round. But I remember hearing from friends the moment he made that trade, well, what if we don't make the playoffs? Right, like, oh, right, we're gonna, right. He, we're not worrying well, about they were, that. No, we're, they were in a good spot when they, they made that They were in a better deal. spot, yeah. Much yeah. better spot. It was a, yeah. A, a, you know, and the big question was, would they uh, be able to re-sign him then it's a waste? In but f- they gave up O'Mara. They gave up Nielsen. It wasn't the end of the world. Right, Garth, right, Garth, right. I thought it was a, a good attempt by Garth and really yeah. no major harm there. No, 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 without question. It worked out well. It was it was all Rick DiPietro's fault while they uh, almost missed the playoffs. Hey. But that's a discussion for another day. Weekly, oh, weekly Ricky mention. <laughs> Got to do okay, it. Okay, what's next? What's next <laughs> is Hero of the Week, Eddie. Cue it up, bro. All right, folks, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, Half Price Hero, which this week is The Selly with grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero stop on into the blue line deli and bagels flagship huntington location mention hockey night new york and get half off the Selly christopher bada i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna let you know who my hero is and i think we're on the same page here but Ilya sorokin he plays all three games this week obviously he only comes out victorious in one he earns himself the tie in the first game i don't fault him at all for the shootout there's bigger problems there on the on the other side with the with the skaters who go on <laughs> go in and take shots. Uh, he played a good game against Minnesota. Yes, it went off the rails. I don't blame him for the goals that he let up at the end of the game. And he also has an excellent game against Montreal for the week. A .954 save percentage, only four goals against. Hard to pick anybody else considering they only won one game. Hero of the week, Ilya Sorokin. Hero of the season. Yes. Uh, honorable mention to the Bossy family. I thought they did a beautiful job with the tribute Saturday and uh, with his daughter and the illustrations and all that and all the support uh, uh, for lung cancer research. Uh, it was really great. But Ilya, man, he keeps it going. I, I noticed after the game last night, a lot of the writers kept on asking Coach about Sorokin. I'm like, are they all writing their Sorokin features in the next <laughs> right. week or so? Right. But he deserves it. He carries his team, and he, he's the equalizer. He gives you a fighting chance. Not only that, but he deserves better. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. you look at his record sometimes. and Like, it's funny. You see his goals against, you see his save percentage, and then you look at his record, and you're like, his record should be a lot better. So they play Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday this mm-hmm. week. Uh, which games does Varlamov start? I think you give Varlamov Buffalo on the Thursday in Buffalo. I think you go right back to Sorokin tomorrow. I think you got to give him Boston. And then Saturday against Carolina, as long as as long as Sorokin had a good game on Wednesday against Boston, I say you go back to him Saturday. I 100% agree that that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's what they will do. What do you think they'll do? I I, I, we've been wrong assuming Break out that, that crystal would, ball. Be, don't, yeah. be brave. We've, we've been wrong in assuming <laughs> it's fine that it's always going to be Sorokin. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a chance they go with Varlamov tomorrow. Okay. I could see it. I could see it, but we'll find out maybe tomorrow morning, maybe during warmups, but we'll find out eventually yeah. tomorrow. So there you have it, folks. That is the Hero of the Week. Remember, stop on in to the Huntington location, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the Selly. How's the chat going tonight, Ed? Uh, we're pretty busy. Yeah. Okay. We got some there. questions for Questions Brewing because it's time. It questions is time. Brewing. So why don't, oh we, why don't we cue God. that up? You're going you're gonna to do that to me? Yeah, buddy. Let's do All it. Right. Hit some buttons. <laughs> Let's go. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. All right, folks, thanks for hanging out with us in the chat tonight. Eddie, what do you got on questions brewing? Uh, this is funny. Jay is just... just he looks like he's having here. a good time. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you Sorry, got? Sorry, I'm a little under the weather, folks, uh, <laughs> back here. Is that right? I had a bit of a late night. Uh, just, oh, I, yeah? Out yeah. of the town, buddy? Out, out, out of the town. <laughs> Okay. What town well, you it was, it, I couldn't tell you. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, so we'll start off with T. Boyle here. Okay. Uh, do you see Aho getting waived when Pellick returns from injury? <laughs> <laughs> no. Tom. <laughs> he asks this question frequently. Look, they're very direct, and they're very, you know, like, I love it, Tom. You throw out these interesting scenarios at us. Uh, I, I don't think Aho is going to get waived uh, if, if and well, when Adam Pellet comes. I think they'll find a way to keep Park, him up. Parker or Weatherspoon will go back yeah. to Bridgeport when that happens. Yeah, I think that's the... Uh... What else you got? Uh, T. Boyle has another question. Okay. 
to add on to that, does trading for Goss's bear make sense for the Islanders? Possibly, yeah. Um, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Okay, I'm going mean, to go with. We an, know we we know what he is, but yeah. Well, now that Adam Pellick looks like he's closer to coming back, I think it makes more sense. I thought it may, would have made less sense if it was kind of a uh, decision to replace Pellick if he was going to be out long term and they need another defenseman because Gostaspier is known more for his offense than his defense, right? And you're not really replacing Adam Pellick with him. But look, if they want to bring in a guy who can add a little offense and on that uh, on that decor, then yeah, I, I don't mind it. it. It all depends on what you're giving up. But look, I, I think we've learned that you know the defense is has had a little bit of a tough time without Pellick, and they could probably even use a, a little bit of help with him in there. But then T. Boyle's next question is, who sits when they acquire Shane Gottesberg? Well, tune in next week, Chris. <laughs> tune in <laughs> next week because that I'm not sure of. But uh, maybe maybe somebody uh, w- w- goes the other way in the deal and, and, and it works out. Anything else? And I just want to make note that there's something we want to touch on before the end of the show after the questions. Go ahead. Sure. sure. Uh, Mike, 4652. Uh, regarding injuries and how long players are out, do they always wait for them to be 100% before they let them back into the lineup? Yes, um, except for the playoffs. Um, (laughs) I would say almost all bets are off when it comes to the playoffs, and teams are never going to admit that. Um, But the best example of that is after a team loses and is eliminated from the playoffs, a day or two later, there's usually that press release saying, this guy is going in for surgery for his finger. Mm-hmm. This guy mm-hmm. is going in for arthroscopic on his, you know, it's crazy. Um, but for the most part in the regular season, oh, yeah, when it comes to Pellick, when it comes to Palmieri, uh, who um, Andrew alluded in his column, mm-hmm. he feels like it's a head injury. I w- it was news to me. I guess I missed it until Andrew mentioned in the paper that Oliver Wallstrom is now looking long-term. He's even speculated that it could be, for the season oh wow yeah it was uh, slow to catch on to that forgive me for that uh, but to answer the question yeah 100 percent. i know they say something like the player will let us know when he's ready mm-hmm. it's the players and the doctors and the trainers and when everybody's on board and the player's comfortable he'll come back and i have no doubt that's what's going on with pellet should be back soon though from reading the the leaves excellent all right next is uh trottier 19 what are your thoughts on eliminating the shootout and playing an extra 10 minutes like McDavid said? Oh, yeah, five, an extra five minutes, 10 minutes in total. I don't think you'll get anybody to argue that except maybe the Players Association would fight that. That's the only group that I could think of, that it's five more minutes that could possibly lead to injuries. But I agree with McDavid. Go ahead. Ed, Trottier 19, do it as soon as effing possible. I can't stand the shootout, and it has nothing to do with the fact that the Islanders are awful at them right now. (laughs) It doesn't help, but it's just you play such a tough game, right? 60-minute hockey, you're grinding it out there, and then you get to overtime, and you earn that point, all all to just throw another one away. And and even though you earn the point in the tie, you still feel like you lost, right? You get that shootout loss, and you earn the tie, but... You don't come away with the extra point, and you're just like, man, we. I guess we lost that game. But get rid of it, please. Go to t- go back to ten minute overtimes, right? That used to be the way it was before they went to the shootouts, right? It was ten minutes, right? No, no, it was always five. Oh God, unless I'm drawing a blank up. I, I thought know. at one point it might have been, but I'm even fine with just doing the five minutes. If 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 the NHLPA oh, says right, it's 10, too long to yeah. go to ten minutes, keep it at five. And if you want to keep it at three and three, fine. It's it's a little less hockey, but it's exciting, and at least they're playing the actual game of hockey three on three. But the shootout, I can't stand. I'd rather see ties. 100%. Yeah, it's going to increase results that to go ten minutes. Then I wouldn't go to a shootout. And as for the health thing, it is kind of amazing to me, and I don't. I don't know if there's been any like real famous goalie injuries, mm-hmm. but it's kind of amazing that the, the players association and there's some concern about injuries. So not making these games go on too long. And then we go to the skills competition where goalies are doing splits and falling all over the place. Sometimes 11 shooters deep right? for a regular season game right. to earn one more point. Every time I watch it, like if a Sorokin's in there, I'm like, you know what? I don't care if they lose at this point in this thing. Because that that cannot be good for those guys. And I think the most important question on this topic is, would the league ever even consider getting rid of the shootout? 
Um, I, I most likely not. I know okay. Batman's kind of drawing the line of sand, but I, yeah. I think if the players, it's great. Honestly, it's really helpful for McDavid to come out so publicly and yeah. do that. Um, the excitement. I mean, I, I with the ESPN Plus, if I see a game that's going into overtime, I go to it. I know not every three on three is fantastic. Sure, it's always a bummer when there's a penalty. In my opinion, it always <laughs> right. feels like a letdown, like we're mm. losing out when they have to go to four. Um, but uh, it's thrilling. Go, man! If it went ten minutes, it would be even crazier, and you're going to have a, even more results. So I'm all for it. Great, great question. All right. And Trottier 19, this is the last one I see of questions brewing, unless anyone else wants to get some in uh, last minute. Uh, he says, should Lane Lambert be back next season? Too early. <laughs> Too early. Yeah. But, but I, we, I can't guarantee that he will be or that he should be. Um, he knows the drill. He, he knows the pressure that's on here. He knows the opportunity. It's not uncommon for that guy who succeeds the great coach to not last long. It's happened in Islander history several times it's happened in Lou Lamorella's history uh, many times so uh way way too early to tell Let, let's let's not kid ourselves Sean there have been times in the however episodes we've done of this Sunday show mm. since the season started where we've said very complimentary things about Lane yeah and then not so much so so um I would I think you got to give this time and, and give him the the full season and then decide yeah, and I also think the general attitude, whether it's here in, in the studio or throughout the fan base, seems to be more of the quote-unquote blame is, is resting more on the shoulders of Lou Lamarillo and perhaps the players on the ice. And I think Lane has gotten a little bit more of a pass so far. Yeah, no question. We done with the, the questions, buddy? Yeah. All set? I, I have a bit of a question. When is Blue Line Deli going to make the Chris Bada on Chibata? sandwich <laughs> wow that's what okay. i want to know i like that one i mean we we know people over there at blue line we could see what happens over there yeah what do you i think, mean chris wanna, wanna all your favorite your ingredients on ciabatta that's the sandwich <laughs> would be the honor of a lifetime honor of a <laughs> lifetime so we'll see we'll, we'll check back in ed great question and thanks yes. everybody for hanging out and throwing our questions questions our way here at questions brewing so i think uh you you had one more thing you wanted to know yeah i just wanted go. to end you know we learned late this afternoon about the passing of gino ojik the former Islander, uh, most well-known, of course, for playing for the Canucks, uh, just 52 years of age. Yeah, wow. Great guy. You know, I've talked about this before on the show with a lot of the fighters who've come through. You know, the, the Islanders, they were, as I've mentioned, we know uh, they've had many years where the team was not good. And when you get these guys who are, who are the instigators, who are the, not the instigators, excuse me, the, the pugilists, the fighters, mm-hmm. um, you sometimes wonder, like, how how do they have it in their heart to stand up for teammates that they just gotten to know in a season that was lost early? And Gino, just mm. in a short time with the team, parts of three seasons, I believe, he just he stood up for everybody. Uh, he was fun to be around. He was accessible. I alluded to on Twitter uh, taking him to all the way down to uh, ESPN for an ESPN two back when they had their hockey show thing mm. with Butcher Gross. Um, he was just so much fun uh sad he'd been unhealthy for a, a while now um i can't i don't know uh what the final cause of it was mm-hmm. uh but he's a, a player who came from nowhere and fought for every shift he had uh, going back to juniors uh and was a great player he had his best friend was pavel Bure. uh they were linked uh, forever in the, the greatest of ways and um so our hearts certainly go out to Gino, his family, the Islanders family, the Canucks family, uh, the Titans family, uh, everybody who he touched. He, uh, he was a beautiful guy uh, to me personally, and, and I'm going to miss him a lot. And I know everybody will in Islanders country. Short time here, but big impact. Yes, very sad news and a great tribute by you, Chris, to him. And it's great that you got to know him. And and uh, you know, you hear the stories as a as a hockey fan. You know what a great guy he he was, and and it's and it seems like the guys who were throwing the fists are the ones who always get the credit for being the, the yeah. nicest guys, even though they seem like the meanest guys on the ice. They're the nicest guys off the ice. Uh, he had the respect of everyone. He told me I asked him about uh, fighting. It was probably on that trip, and he said he said I always fight for a draw. He wants to. He didn't need to win big. He just mm. said, I can't lose big. That's how I stay in the game a long time. If I occasionally come out ahead, and if you look at his fights, a lot of them were more like grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he uh and he also he had some skill too he had some ability there were times where both the canucks and the islanders you know he'd be that guy you'd throw on the first line every once in a while for Mm -hmm. a shift or put in front of the net and um he just uh he loved uh life and it was a great friend to everybody around him and uh just very he'll be uh dearly missed great stuff chris and gino ojic rest in peace And that is going to do it for us tonight. So, Ed, cue up that music. Folks, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers later on. A huge, huge thanks to our great guests tonight, Andrew Grosanuze and Bruno Gervais. Fantastic stuff from them. And, of course, a big thanks to our great sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check out bluelinedeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewingcompany.com. And, of course, a big thanks to our newest sponsor, Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check out mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information on them. Chris, where can we find you on Twitter? At Chris Potter NHL. <laughs> Great stuff. You can find myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can find the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok. Folks, once again, if you enjoy what we're doing here, please tell your friends, spread the word, rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate all you guys hanging out with us live on Twitch and, of course, listening later on for Chris Botta. My name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. For Jay, for Ed, have yourselves a great rest of your night. We will see you next time. <laughs>